Well, happy Labor Day weekend, and uh, for those of you who are online that are vacationing and taking the last little bit, we just want to say welcome you to online as well, and to Victoria, who's doing our online pastoring. Thank you, Victoria. We say hello to you as well, who um, is actively connecting with our online church as well. Well, today, Labor Day weekend, I think it would be important, and you just saw a little video to that, that we talk about work and rest. Today, we are going to finish up our series on the kingdom of God, and uh, I thought it was a mini-series. It took a little bit longer to get through, but we were just kind of saying, God, what do you want us to teach us next? And we kind of kept going on, but this is the, the period point. This is the end of our kingdom of God series. But I thought it was so important to understand, let's look at work and rest through the kingdom of God lens. You know, do you realize that, that a change of perspective, it just takes a small change of perspective for everything to change in our life? I'm going to give you an example of that. When I was in my 20s, I had just graduated. Well, not just. I was a year out of college. Both Otter and I met in college. We both were, had business, we were business majors. And I was working for the family company. And I got to the place. I was in human resource management and then other management. And I just realized, you know, working for family is not always so fun. Christmas was no longer fun because <laughs> we were always about business. And so I decided to part without really having a job lined up. But I said, as a young husband, I said, I got to provide for my, my wife. And so I took a job at an apple orchard in the fall packing apples. And it was uh, not a glamorous job. It was a laboring job. And in many ways, I did it because it was a job. But then I started realizing this, like, wait a second, I'm worth so much more than this <laughs> in my mind. But I started getting an attitude of like, I can't believe, I, what am I doing? Like, I went to college, what am I doing just packing apples? What am I doing like in this little apple orchard? And, and I felt like the Lord pricked my heart and he says, why don't you change your perspective and why don't you start working what you think you're worth? Well, in that time, I was like, okay, let's, let's shoot for the moon. I think I'm worth $50 an hour back, I don't know, 30 years ago or whatever. <laughs> And, um, and, and so I started working like what I thought I was worth. Interestingly enough, two weeks of that, the, the owner of the apple orchard said, hey, I'm looking for a manager. Would you consider um, doing some, you know, managing this orchard? I'm like, wait a second. That wasn't even on my radar. But when you started to work like you were worth, all of a sudden people started to see things, see things in you differently. And your attitude while you're going there was like, hey, you know, what? I'm worth that. Like, I, I want to contribute to this. That's an example, though, of, no, I didn't take that role. But, but I, I thought that was a really interesting example of a change of your mind perspective changes the trajectory and the outcome of your life. And so today I want us to just change your mind a little bit about um, looking at work and looking at rest. And maybe it's not going to change some of your mind, but I, but I wonder if it is. How many people absolutely love going to work? No, 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 no. Okay, wait, but, uh, okay. just, just uh, maybe I'm going to get too personal on that. But how many people love to rest? 
What if I told you that maybe our rest, maybe we're not resting in the right way and maybe we're not viewing work in the right way. So, you know, I think the best way to look at this is go, go back to God's original design. Whenever we start hitting these cultural things or these mind shift things, I think it's important to go back to God's original design to understand how God initially intended it to be. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. And we realize that that work is not necessarily bad. Actually, we, we kind of think like, oh, I'll be so happy when I retire. I just get done work and, and be, be happy not to work anymore. And we kind of think that work was the result of the curse. Well, actually, the scripture tells us the result of the curse is that we will have toil in our work. But guess what? Jesus came to reverse the curse. So, so have got good news for you. You do not have to be toiling in your work. You can find joy and peace in your work, but it does, change, it does take a mindset shift. But listen, in Genesis chapter two, verse 15, it says, the Lord God made man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Can you say work it? Work it. Work it. Gonna work it. I don't know why I felt like that should have been a song, like a, a work it song. Work it and keep it. See, that would even be better. Work it. Keep it. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Audra. I know. I just completely embarrassed you. <laughs> oh, she's looking at me like, get to the point, Mark. Stop with your antics. Work it and keep it. So basically, he's saying, work and tend to it. So there's this idea of stewardship and this idea of work. And God purposed that in Adam. We're meant to work. The challenge is after the curse is, and we read this in chapter three, after the curse, um, he says, sorry women, you're gonna have pain in childbirth, that's part of the curse, but in this whole section, it says this, Genesis three seventeen, And Adam, and he said to Adam, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of, the, of your wife, really the voice of Satan, not the wife's not Satan, but the voice of Satan, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. I just want to bring clarification to that. Which I have commanded to you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Basically, it says in pain and toil you'll have to work for your food. And that's the curse. But here's the interesting thing is when we come to Jesus and we enter the kingdom of God, which by the way, remember, we have been saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is to be lived here and now. We see in part, we live in part here on this earth because we haven't moved towards eternity um, in, with our new bodies in our new place, but, but we can enter into the kingdom of God, which means that we can enter back into God's original design for us. So we can find that the work that God has purposed for us can actually bring joy and peace to your life. But there is a perspective change that we need to have uh, for us to view it and for us to experience our work with great joy. See, it doesn't really matter what your job that you're in right here today. I, I can tell you how you can find joy in your job. I can tell you how to find like where you wake up in the morning and get excited to go to work. If you look at Colossians chapter three, Colossians, I know some of you don't believe me. Like, 
I, I know you're just like, really? I can get up and get excited about my work? I'm not really excited about my work. But if you realize in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, whatever you do, or whatever work you do, work heartily as for unto the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is Paul writing to the church in in Colossae. And and here he is. So he writes again to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6. He says a similar thing, but just in a little different way. Uh, Let me see here. Ephesians, here we go. Ephesians 6, chapter 6, sorry, verse 5, says this. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as unto the Lord and not to man. So here's the, here's the shift from moving it from a worldly perspective to a, a kingdom of God perspective is you have to realize that who are you working for in your job? Who are you working for? The scripture tells us when we begin to shift in saying we're working for Jesus, when you go to work in, in, on Tuesday morning, if you have to work tomorrow on Labor Day, I'm sorry. Is anybody working tomorrow on Labor Day? Can we just give those guys a big hand because they're working on Labor Day, the day they should have some rest. But if we begin to change our perspective that we actually, our, our work is a calling, our work we get, to, we get to serve Jesus in our work, it changes the perspective. We wake up and say, thank you God for the job you've given me and I get to serve you today in my workplace. It means what kind of good employee am I going to be? What kind of good boss am I going to be? What kind of, of, of uh, effort am I putting? Because am I just like skating through um, my work just to kind of get through just so I can get my paycheck? Well, if you're skating through, like guess what? If you're kind of like cheating on your company, you're cheating on God. And if you're kind of like just not giving full effort, you're giving partial effort, are you giving full effort or partial effort to Jesus? But it changes when you realize that, that if you're working for Jesus in your job, which the scripture tells us, when we, when we enter the kingdom of God, we realize that our work is fr- a gift from the Lord and we get to serve Jesus in it, it will start changing your perspective. How do I serve? You start thinking, how do I serve Jesus in my job? And not, I'm not talking about evangelizing. I'm just saying, how do we realize that we're going to serve with excellence? We're going to be the most excellent employee. We're going to have a mindset to saying, I'm just not getting through or I'm coming in with a bad attitude because I don't like my boss or I don't like my coworkers or I don't like this work that I'm doing. You're coming in there saying, you know what, Jesus, I get to represent you and you're my boss. And so I'm looking for your instruction throughout my day. I wonder what it would look like if we just had that simple mind shift of our work. Would we find joy in our work? Would we find rest in our work? Interestingly enough, will you find rest in your work? I believe when Adam was tending the garden, he found that probably the most restful thing. He was working, but he didn't have the toil of work. I wonder if we begin to realize that Jesus is our employer, that we begin to start seeing that, that 
there's joy in our workplace. It's not a burden. It's not a toil. The interesting thing, enough, it says, you know, bond servants obey your masters or slaves obey your masters. I know some of you feel like you're slaves in your work, right? You feel like you're a slave in your work. The interesting thing here, he says, obey your masters with fear and trembling. And, and it's basically saying, how do you posture your heart? Remember the kingdom of God, most of the place happens in our heart. What is our heart attitude? What is our motiv- heart motivations? The kingdom of God gets to be expressed in and through our hearts in our jobs. He goes on to say, masters also do the same. So for you who are business owners, realize that your job is to say that who owns your company? Jesus owns your company. And if Jesus owns your company, then the way you treat your employees, the way that you're generous with your employees, the way that you schedule your employees matters because you're working as unto the Lord. That's our work. That's a simple mind shift. Now let's talk about rest. So, so let's rest. We have to go back to the original design, rest. So we have the work side and realizing that if we viewed work differently, how would it impact our life? We'd find more joy, more peace. We'd find more satisfaction in our work. But then let's look at rest. Rest in Genesis chapter 2, we begin to read who first rested. And we see that God rested after, or I should say Jesus. Really, Jesus is the one who was the creator. Uh, He was in creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished... And all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work. He says, wait a second, it says God, not Jesus. You'll have to read through the scripture and realize that Jesus was a part of creation. But God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Now, this is where we get this idea of a Sabbath rest. We rest on the seventh day. In our culture of go, 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 in our culture of busyness, in our culture of we get maxed out all the time, we struggle to find rest. And I am, and I'm not suggesting, I have, I have a, some thoughts on that in understanding how to find rest in a busy world. But, but here he's saying that there's a seventh day, there's a Sabbath, and we're to keep it holy. Actually, we find that so much, not only is it in creation, in the model of God, but then he gives it as one of the Ten Commandments. I know we don't know the Ten Commandments very uh, well, but if you want to find out where it is and maybe write them down and post it somewhere, Even though um, Jesus came to fulfill the law, um, meaning the Ten Commandments are good, but they're the starting point. Jesus came to to give us the grace to live and overcome those those things. But in, in Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. And here we go in verse 11. We read one of the Ten Commandments. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and made it holy. 
Well, we can't fully understand that until we actually then look at um, a writing that was done in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. So we know that God modeled rest for us. And the question we need to ask ourselves, if God is God, why did he rest? Do you think he needed rest? He created for six days on the seventh day he rested and, and I started to ask the question, why? Why did he rest on the seventh day? Was it just a model rest for us? What was it in about that rest that we can learn from it that he wants us to apply to our life? And is it truly just about not doing any work on the Sabbath? See, see the law would tell you you cannot do anything. And actually the Pharisees were on Jesus because he was walking with his disciples and he picked some grain on the Sabbath and he basically was trying to say, see, we caught you, we're, you're sinning. And then Jesus says, uh, come on, guys. Do you not know anything? The Sabbath was not made, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. Did I say that right? Yes, who's made for who? The Sabbath was made for a person. The Sabbath was made for us. We're not made to be the slave to Sabbath. And so, so Jesus already began to bring some correction to that thinking, but then in Hebrews, he brought, a, a, wasn't him, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter four, we read here, nine through 11. I'm going to start in actually chapter, verse 1 in chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Now he's talking about uh, the Pharisees. He's talking about some of the Jews that didn't believe in Jesus. And so he's talking about the rest that came to them is not just the Sabbath rest, but the rest found in Jesus. And this is going to be the key. This is going to be the key. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not unified by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest as he said. So here we again. There's something about our belief. There's something about our belief in Jesus that we enter rest. So we're talking about a Sabbath rest, which he's going to talk about here, that seventh day, not work on that day. Uh, what does that really mean? And he goes, as I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. And again, remember, he's talking about the, the rest he was going to give them as they went into the promised land. The, the children of Israel. So you have to remember those who were in slavery of Egypt, bringing them out out of captivity into a promised land for where he would be their God and they would find rest through a relationship with their God. For he had somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter, and he's talking about entering the rest because of disobedience, again he appointed a certain day today saying through David, so long afterward in the word, in the, sorry, in the words already quoted, today if you hear the voice, do not harden your heart. So basically how, why he's talking about David, Jesus came through the lineage of King David. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, remember Joshua was the one who brought the children of Israel into the promised land. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken of another day later. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God rested from his. It kind of can seem confusing because in many ways he's talking about a Sabbath rest, but then he's talking about a rest in a relationship with Jesus. And what I want us to begin to understand is they're intertwined. What happened is the Pharisees began to separate a relationship with God with rest and made uh, the Sabbath day a rule. Oh, we should not work. We can't do anything on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was basically saying, guys, you, you just don't understand it. You have to understand that the Sabbath is meant for you to understand the, the why. And the why is, I believe, is what, G, what God did or Jesus did in creation. Again, this is a little bit of my own thinking, so I'm, I don't find this in scripture. But, I, but I, I, I want us to ponder something because I do believe there's something to it. Do you believe that maybe God rested on the seventh day because he wanted to look back at six days of creation and realize that what he created is good? That, he, that he, would, he would have a time to reflect on the beauty of the creation. And I wonder if that is informing us a little bit too, that, that when we are trying to find our rest, and I think this is why the writer of Hebrews kind of mixes those two things together because I think they're intertwined. That when we begin to live our life understanding that we, we live our life with gratitude and appreciating what God has been doing in and through our life, we come on a Sunday and we celebrate God together and I love that. And that's part of like when he says keep the day holy. It's like keeping it separate for God. And I think as we keep it separate for God, we realize let's praise him and let's realize where all of our goodness has come from. Let's look at back the last six days and what has God done in through our lives. And we come with a heart of gratitude and, and really appreciating what God has done. And that keeps us connected to him, which then keeps our rest in him. See, we find true rest when we're connected with Jesus. And, and let me give you another example. I so much of the time, and, and I could fall into this habit. So oh, it's been a heavy week. I just want to unplug. I just want to unwind. I just want to watch a show. I just want to do something that helps my mind go numb. Right? Just like unplug. I just want to unplug. But that is not rest. And our culture tries to tell us that it is. But guess what? We're realizing that that is not rest. That is actually just a change of activity. My son built uh, an electric bike a few years ago. He took one of his old mountain bikes and, and he got um, ordered online a, a kit that can change an electric wheel on the back with a battery. And the interesting thing as I was thinking about this, while he's riding that bike, it is not plugged in. It's actually unplugged. But it's been charged up and he runs for a season, but then when it's time for the bike to rest, he has to plug it back in to recharge. And many times I think that that's the, the we, we get an opposite. We feel like we're running so fast that we need to unplug, 
But unplugging means we're unplugging from the very life source that's supposed to give us life. It should be the other way around. We should be running throughout the week and then on our day of rest, or I should say as our days of rest because we're connecting with him, we're plugging back into our creator. We're plugging back into the source of life. We're plugging back into our relationship of Jesus, which helps us feel at rest, which helps us feel at peace. But instead, we run so hard and then we unplug and then we're wondering why we're so depleted all the time. We're, we don't have, we never ever experience rest because Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. And that's why he said on the seventh day, keep it holy. I think on those days that we actually set time apart to reflect back uh, the goodness of what Jesus has been doing in and through your lives. Now, the connection of work and rest is this. When you begin to view your work as your working is unto the Lord, Guess what? God is going to be doing some pretty cool things through your workplace. He's going to be doing some pretty cool things in and through you at work. And I'm not even talking about sharing Jesus. I'm just saying, guess what? You're going to represent Jesus at your workplace because you're working for Jesus, not necessarily for your boss. You're working for your boss. Don't get me wrong. Don't go to your boss and say, I'm sorry, I'm not working for you today. I'm working for Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I had to get sassy on that one, but it's like... <laughs> Wagging the finger, I'm working for Jesus. Like, you're probably going to get fired if you say that, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that. No, I'm just saying in the morning, say, God, thank you so much for my job. You know what? You provide this for me today. That for some reason, you have linked me to this company and this workplace, this business, this school, this, this uh, my employer, whatever, this job. Help me to work with excellence today. Help me carry a spirit of love and, and joy and, and forgiveness and help me to, to work with diligence. And when trials come, let me not get, get bogged down in the mire of those trials. Let, it, let me consider it all joy when I face trials of many kinds, right? Because it produces something in me, right? You start approaching your workplace, not disconnected from Jesus, but connected to the life source of Jesus. You're plugged in. You're taking time to plug in. See, see, the plug-in is where you're gonna get rest. Now, beautifully today, God has given us permission to take an entire day to plug into him. He's given you an entire day permission, an entire day to plug into him. And when you do, you realize that it's your relationship, not unplugging from the world, but plugging into him that is gonna give you the strength to get through the rest of your week. Even those times that you have to unplug, in other words, like, hey, you know, I'm not talking to Jesus right now. I'm not like, I know it says pray without ceasing, but you know you get it. You get into the rhythm of work, right? You're not thinking about Jesus per se, but so that's your unplug moment. But guess what? You've been charged up. That when you're, when you're running the trails hard, right? You, you're no longer plugged in. You're, you're unplugged taking that electric bike analogy. That, that you have the strength. You have the energy. You have already been rested. You're already recharged that you can face those challenges knowing that who's your life source. So this week, I want to give you a challenge. I want you to wake up. For those of you who are working tomorrow, you're going to wake up tomorrow and, and you're going to say this. Those of you who are starting Tuesday, you're going to start your day saying, Jesus, I'm working for you today. I'm going to work as if I'm working for you today. And I want you to be mindful and do this for seven days, for the whole week. Well, that's only four days, but do it for a couple weeks. I want, well, I want you to do it, keep doing it forever, but I want you to just 
Be mentally aware of that. Create a checklist, make like write out seven, put a check beside it every seven days. You're saying, you know, I'm going to make sure that I'm viewing this day as I'm working as unto the Lord. And I want you to see how you feel differently and I want you to see how your office environment or your work environment or your place of work environment changes. I want you to give me a testimony, shoot me an email. The other thing is I want you to realize that I don't want you to unplug. When you feel tired and exhausted, I want you to plug back in. I want you to plug back into your source of rest. Here they were saying that Jesus is our rest. God is our rest. So when you're feeling down and depleted, open your Bible, put on worship music, do something that connects you to your creator because you will find rest. And then definitely find that day, right? That day of rest, that day, that your Sabbath day where you can say, I'm gonna keep this holy, meaning I'm gonna keep this separate as unto the Lord, this day is for him. You know, it's, it's, I kind of look at it as the, the tithing principle. God says, I'm, you know, I'm only asking for 10% back. Um, I'm trusting you with 90. Same thing with, with, with work. He goes, yeah, I'm saying you, you only have to work six days a week. You don't have to work seven. Would you trust me with that? Because I've already established this day of rest. Like, it's blessed. It's not taking anything away from you. It's adding to your life. For some of you who are on that that path of seven days, I just got to work, 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 work. Try to find that day of rest. It'll be a blessing to you. And remember, the day of rest is not unplug. Day of rest is to plug in to a relationship with the Lord. Father, we're so grateful for this Labor Day weekend that we remember that, that work is, is a gift from you, that you've designed work in our lives from all of creation, that you've created us to be workers. But Lord, that we don't realize that we're just working for a company or for a boss or uh, we are working for you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, let us realize that that shift in our mind that we don't want to unplug to find rest, but we are to plug back in, Lord Jesus, to, to, that you are our rest, that when we are connected to you, you bring peace to us, you bring rest to us, we, you bring um, an assurance to us. Let us find time to plug and to be recharged by you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift of a Sabbath day. You've already blessed it for us. Let us appreciate it and walk in it and rest in it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time. <music>